What does it mean to be free and to flourish? To see a generation of students who can think with academic freedom, to be discerning, to ask deep questions, and to be equipped for working and living in the real world. My guests today have an ideal vantage point. Brett Jones graduated 10 years ago from a K-12 classical Christian school, went to West Point, and is now a successful business owner. Aaron, his sister, is now a mom, a professional in the healthcare industry with children in a classical Christian school, and their stories are captivating and convincing that our students will have the best education for the rigors of the real world. Stay tuned for this episode of Basecamp Live. Mountains, we all face them as we seek to influence the next generation. Get equipped to conquer the challenges, summit the peak, and shape exceptionally thoughtful, compassionate, and flourishing human beings. We call it Ancient Future Education for Raising the Next Generation. Welcome to Basecamp Live. Now your host, Davies Owens. Welcome to Basecamp Live. Davies Owens on the line with Aaron Myers and Brett Jones. How are you, Brett? Doing well. Good. And Aaron, how are you? I'm doing well as well. Thank you. I'm glad you're doing well as well. This has been a conversation we've been wanting to have for several months. Um, Just you guys have fascinating backgrounds, both um, having been around the Faith Christian School there in Roanoke, Virginia. Um, And you guys are wearing different hats. Brett, you were a student there, and Aaron, you were observing Brett go through this process, and now as a, as a mom and, and the, watching over the school world. Um, and I want to hear your stories, but I want us to just kind of frame up where we're going to go, and that is this, this general question of how do we raise a generation to really have freedom to flourish? So um, Aaron, I'm kind of curious, when you think about you know, your, own, your own observation um, and education, give us your background and help us understand a little bit where you're coming from. Um, so I was raised in Roanoke. Brett is my younger brother. Um, I'm six years older than him and I went through public school and I I laughingly say my parents didn't love me enough to send me to faith Christian, but really it's just that the school wasn't that well established by that point. And, um, I took advantage of all the educational opportunities that were available to me through public schools. Um, but never, really got to experience faith Christian as a student. I was able to watch Brett and then our younger sister go through the program and see kind of what classical education looked like. And then when it came time to think about education for our children, consider faith and, and end up there with one and one again next year. So, and so you've, and your, your, your children are how old right now? You've got a so I have a six-year-old little girl who's currently in first grade, and then I have a three-year-old little boy who's uh, eagerly anticipating JK <laughs> at, at Faith next Wonderful. year. Can't wait so. to put the uniform on. Well, let She's me excited. dig a little bit deeper. So you were, um, you know, this is not uncommon. Parents are looking at, especially a startup classical Christian school and thinking, well, maybe we'll go a different direction. So walk walk us through a little bit more of your experience there. I know you went to some pretty well-regarded schools in, in the sure. community. So um, I attended a public high school and I attended Roanoke Valley Governor School, which is by application only. I started there as a ninth grader. It's a very intensive math and science program. And I would say that it's a, a, in a lot of ways, a classical program in the way that they're teaching. Um, But it's definitely not a classical Christian program. 
And then I took advantage of some humanities programs. I, I don't even know if they're offered anymore. They called them yeah. uh, Center for Humanities and then City School. So took some AP classes, you know, everything that was available, yeah. did the dual enrollment, all that good stuff. So just to kind of, kind of again, we frame up the conversation. So you were, you were a, a recipient of this kind of best of um, education there in your community in terms of public school in terms of a high, highly desirable program, AP courses, all those things were offered to you. And now fast forward, um, your mom and you're making decisions about where you're going to enroll your, your children. And you ended up right back at Faith Christian because you saw your brother, Brett, have a very different educational experience. So what did you see Brett experiencing? Right. Well, I think I just, you know, when you're, when you're a peer, almost when you're another kid watching a kid I don't know that so much jumped out then but I think looking back on the experience Brett had and the questions that he was able to ask and the support that he had from faculty in the asking of those questions yeah and then thinking back to my own education and you know there are kind of two examples that really spring to mind so I remember starting ninth grade doing this advanced center for humanities program I have to read Plato and write a paper on it and i'm reading plato and i'm thinking gosh i don't i don't know if plato sounds a lot like paul or paul sounds a lot like plato but i see a lot of similarities here and i think that if i had been in a in an environment like faith christian i i would have felt much more comfortable asking those questions but in the environment that i was in my teacher was very very openly liberal he was also the head of the debate team and i mean i was just kind of afraid of just totally getting shot down. And so that question was never raised. And um, I just feel like, well, not feel like I know that putting our kids at faith encourages that kind of conversation all day long, not just when the student has that one aha moment. Yeah. Um, so well, that's a great, that was a big part of it. That's a huge example. And we're going to, I want to get Brett going here a second. We'll come back around to this idea of if you want your children to really be able to have freedom of thinking and engaging of ideas, I mean, that's, you're already kind of setting up that well, that here you were in this very, you know, well-regarded environment, but there were limits to what you were even comfortable as a young, young person too. It's sometimes hard for for us to bring up that confidence. And so we'll, we'll tell, I want to hear that story in in more detail. And then I know you had an 11th grade story as well Mm -hmm. um, that you engage, but Brett, let me get, get, have you jump in for a second back, back us up a little bit to, uh, to the Brett story. So um, older sister is off to public school and parents are like, hmm, maybe that faith Christian thing's enough developed that we should send our son over. So what grade did you begin? Middle school, I think it was? Started in seventh grade. Yeah. Yeah. So and yeah, walk us through that. What was that like for you? Sure. Well, um, I'd been in public school up until that point in time and it had been just a little bit of a frustrating experience for me just because I was, I was pretty bored. I had some good friends, but not nobody, no real deep friendships. And uh, I just remember telling my mom, you know, like, this is, it's easy. It's boring. I really have no interest in it. And um, so she started exploring other options. And I remember coming home the first day from Faith Christian and just saying to her, man, I mean, this is so different. It's just uh, the room to explore the amount of conversation that we had, the depth that was just evident to me in the seventh grade was just astonishing. And the, the common um, priorities, I think, of the, 
of the kids and of the faculty were just evident to me really, really quickly. So yeah. um, I did, I started in seventh grade, graduated, uh, went all the way through to 12th, did, did all the sports, did all the uh, academics, everything I basically could. And uh, ultimately ended up having the opportunity to go to West Point and um, did that, served for five years in the army and um, here in Roanoke now working for our family's business. Yeah. That's a great journey. So you've been um, out of out of high school. How many years now has it been? About, oh gosh, <laughs> put you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I graduated. Heavy in math for you now. Okay, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Test that. Test that classical math. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Graduated in two thousand four. Okay. So I've been out. Yeah. Yeah. About fifteen years. And what I love about having the two of you on is just the vantage point. I think most most of us as parents, especially, and Aaron, you can relate as a younger parent with younger ones it's just it, this is a ton of time money and energy to put into it you, know, you want the best for your children and is this the right decision and is it the right decision all the way through k-12 and maybe it's just good in those cute years and uniforms and then we need quote real world as we kind of move beyond that and aaron is we'll unpack more of your story i mean here you are you put this education to the test at west point and you saw a lot of different uh, folks that you were with from very different backgrounds educationally and and you really saw the differentiators there of, of what we were given uh, at Faith Christian. So I, I want to kind of turn and dig into that a little bit. And maybe before we kind of give anecdotes and stories, just in your own opinions, you know, when you think about what you want for the next generation in terms of that ability to, to think freely, and we look at our country today where, you know, it's it's very charged politically, but so often it's people just, you know, uh, throwing weak arguments around and not thinking deeply and ultimately just living a non-flourishing life. So what do you think, you know, what does that look like? Uh, maybe Aaron, jump back to you, just as you think about being a mom, what do you really want when it comes to your, your child and their education and, and your children and their education? Well, one of the things that my husband and I talked about when we were going through this whole school selection process, because my husband was definitely raised in, in public schools, um, was you know, we wanted an environment that was going to create a desire for lifelong learning and a, a realization of the importance of that. Um, I think that the older we've gotten, the more we realize like we are never, ever done learning. And I feel like the amount that's out there to learn feels more overwhelming all the time. And so, you know, wanting to raise children in a system that encourages learning and, and teaches them how to learn and encourages them to ask the tough questions. But being able to go into those situations and have meaningful interactions and conversations to understand the the richness of the world around us. Yeah. Um, and, and also to be in an environment where it's safe to ask those questions. I, I think looking back on Brett's experience at Faith Christian, there were definitely kids in his class that had very different views than than Brett did about politics, um, about war. And, you know, it was not this cookie cutter, um, you know, like, let's all hold hands and sing Kumbaya. There were some pretty heated discussions. <laughs> and so, um, but there, there was a wonderful freedom to have those discussions that I don't think always gets realized in other settings. And maybe just, let me just park on that point, because I think before we even look outside the walls of the classical Christian school, I mean, that's a really, 
I think a common challenge is when you're sort of shopping schools with parents as a parent of a young grammar school child and you go to the grammar schools and their kids do walk in rows and I don't know that they actually sing Kumbaya unless it's in Latin, but there's, um, there's definitely a sense of orderliness and structure and maybe it translates into what is this going to mean in high school and maybe the freedom of thought is equally limited and organized and, and sort of rote. Mm-hmm. And I, and that's really not, that's not what you're saying happened. And I mean, and you're, Brett, you can jump in where everybody's talking about you and your experience, but um, <laughs> it sounds like you had a pretty robust uh, debates and discussions, very real world-ish there in high school. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I, I think that probably in a, in a sad sort of way, the best debate that I've had uh, in my whole life was actually at Faith Christian. I mean, and I'm talking about just kind of ongoing debate. The quality of conversation was very, very high. And I think that was cultivated by the teachers who were very focused on the classical curriculum and developing an environment where people um, prized the idea of debating, yeah, prized the idea of, of good conversation. See, I would, you would, again, kind of the average person on the street or maybe anybody would think, gosh, if you went to a West Point, you would think just the caliber of people there would be thoughtful, engaging. And I'm sure there's amazing things about them, but you're actually saying there was more substance back in the old K-12 classical Christian school than West Point. I mean, help me understand that. Is that, what was the... I I think that I would attribute that to, and and I would just go out of my way to say there are phenomenal people at West Point. Absolutely. Way smarter than, way smarter than me, uh, way more successful than me. And um, I think though that what I would really point out is, is that a lot of the conversation, a lot of the education that I was going through at West Point was very focused on what I would call advancement um, or, or kind of worldly success. What am I going to do next with this piece of information, with this data point? Um, and so a lot of the, the difference uh, was based off of the fact that at Faith, the focus was on developing virtue, was probably the primary focus of education, you know, wisdom, temperance, courage, these sort of things that we all want, these character traits, that's why we were being educated. That's why we were striving hard and working every day. That was a huge focus for us. Um, And I think that that's much more inspiring. And so it just drives a level of debate and a culture that encourages that level of discussion uh, much more than, than advancement, than, you know, kind of worldly success, which has its own value. Yeah. Um, and it is, you know, it's, um, it would be untrue to say that that, you know, has no value, but, uh, I, I think that that's what drove the quality. What, which I think those who are listening, I know the, the way thought would be, I, I want my kid to have virtue that goes without saying, but I also do want them to be real world ready in the sense of being able to have these systems and these, um, understandings of how, you know, how to go make money and how to, you know, survive in the, again, in the real world is that, so it it sounds like there's actually a real practicality to the education. Again, maybe that's the fear is that this is great. You can, if my kid wants to be a philosopher or a Latin teacher, but does this really play out well in somewhere like West Point? And again, lots of accolades and great things about that community. But it sounds like you were, you brought some things to the table that weren't equal among many of your peers. When you look at just the ability to use the English language, the ability to communicate, this is at the heart of every every business, every uh, endeavor that anybody wants to do, 
the ability to communicate well is absolutely essential. And it's, it doesn't matter what subject you're talking about. Yeah. Um, we can talk about mathematics or science or, or English. And in every single one, if you can't communicate well, if you can't convey the ideas that you believe, if you can't engage with others' ideas and examine them well, you're lost. Yeah. And, and I think that that's at the heart of what classical education is all about. Which really, in my mind, is back to this idea of freedom. I mean, isn't that what we speak of? A, a, very, a fully flourishing, free human being has that exact attribute that you're able to you know, learn how to learn, you know how to adapt, you know how to uh, engage your surroundings. Well, and as Certainly. someone that, that works part-time in addition to being at home with kiddos and all of that, I would say that most definitely I would much rather us hire someone that has maybe lesser formal education but has the ability to learn because someone that wants to learn and ask good questions, we can train them, <laughs> you know, but their piece of paper doesn't do any good on the wall yeah. if they can't communicate and ask the right questions. I'm so. sure. I think there are probably a lot of people nodding right now going, yep, that's my challenge. Um, <laughs> and I want to come back. Why don't we take a break, Aaron? We come back. You have a great, you, you work in healthcare. You've got a great story of just uh someone you were, a colleague you were talking to about just uh, understanding statistics and sort of this interesting positioning sure. of, we don't have STEM education, aren't we going to be behind the curve? And yet we're actually doing pretty well. We'll, we'll come back in just a moment, um, take a break here at Basecamp Live. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Chris McKenna, the founder of protectyoungeyes.com, a website developed by a parent for parents with all the latest information about apps, parental controls, and digital trends that matter to you, including Snapchat, Instagram, YouTube, and many other topics. You can subscribe to our bi-weekly newsletter. Everything is free. We want to help you parent well in the digital age. So please visit us at protectyoungeyes.com. Welcome back to Basecamp Live here with Aaron Myers and Brett Jones talking about their journey through classical Christian education and this challenge that so many of us as parents face. We want our kids to be real world ready to have the ability to truly flourish and have freedom. And and so often we look at classical Christian schools and think maybe that's just going to be a constraining place. And yet it's really the opposite of that. Aaron, jump into this story of, of a conversation you had recently with a colleague at work and what you discovered. Oh, um, so I work as a physician assistant and I take a physician assistant student uh, probably four or five a year. They're with me for about a month. And one of the things that I ask the students to do is to take clinical research papers home and read about them. And I have them watch this kind of online tutorial about absolute risk and, and relative risk. And I ask them to come back to me and explain what that means. And I had a student that came back and she said, I just don't, I just don't understand this. And um, basically the long and short of it is that if you have a drug and in the population at whole, it reduces risk, you know, by 1%, let's say, you know, yep. so it, it doesn't make a huge, a huge difference. Um, but then you can also calculate something called um, relative risk where you take a, 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 a sample, you know, you treat one group and, and not another group, and then you look at the reduction. 
So if the population as a whole has a 1% risk and the treatment group, they end up seeing that risk reduced from 1% to 0.5%, then the pharmaceutical companies will tell you that's, you know, basically a 50% risk reduction. Which sounds well, 50% amazing. 50% risk reduction sounds amazing. Like if you can reduce my risk of a heart attack by 50%, I mean, we'll all take it, right? And she said, I just... I, I don't get it. She said, but that's not 50% risk. I said, right. That's the whole point of having you do this, this exercise. I said, I want you to be able to understand the difference between the glossy marketing materials that you get and what these studies actually say. And she had just this kind of aha moment. And she said, no one's ever, you know, asked questions or posed questions like this to me. Mm. And I thought, Gosh, like <laughs> this is what classical education is all about, you know, like this deeper yeah. dive, really digging into it. And, um, you know, this is someone that was, you know, one of 20 people that were selected to a program that probably eight or 900 people applied to. Like she's a smart cookie, yeah. you know, she's she's just never had that viewpoint. And I think that's and was this something sort of that. What a great example. And I, I think that's, again, super practical because we, uh, again, tend to assume our kids would be the ones going, I've never thought of that before. And it's absolutely the opposite way around. And yet this young woman probably had, was considered, like you said, an excellent, maybe STEM-based education where she was in the sciences, perhaps, but right. not really thinking logically through those steps in the way that you experienced. Right. Yeah. I mean, these these kids that are coming into to PA school, they hold a bachelor's degree already. You know, they, um, you know, they have very highly competitive GPAs. Most of them have degrees and, you know, they're either pre-med, they're a bachelor of science in biology or, you know, pathophysiology, something like that. And so they've, you know, they've been through the statistics courses, they've been through calculus, they've been through all of these yeah. things. And so, um, you know, I think that going back to my experience in public schools, I was fortunate to have that, that kind of classical component in that they asked a lot of questions, yeah. you know, calculus wasn't, can you solve the problem? It was like, why are we doing this problem? Yeah. Oh, we're calculating rate of disease spread or whatever. Right. Um, but then to be able to take that one step further in a classical Christian environment, yeah. like that's just the, that's the cherry on top. And you see that now as an adult, but I know just let's come back around because I don't want to leave it. Um, the ninth grade experience you had with Plato and Paul, even though it was an excellent school and in many cases there were questions being asked, you felt constrained for another reason as a young person in that environment because of the the, the teacher that you had. Was this your agnostic teacher or was what was the situation there with that teacher that caused you to oh. not want to feel like you could ask that question about Plato and Paul? No, I don't, I don't know what his be beliefs were in terms of his religious beliefs. Um, I did have another teacher that was agnostic. He was a literature teacher and every book that we read, it was you know, there were allegories that were alluding to Christ. And I thought, man, like <laughs> for someone that doesn't believe in Christ, like this guy seems to need him, you know, but um, no, this teacher was just very, very liberal. And he was the one that was the head of the debate team. And so I was just, I was afraid to ask a question because I was just going to get you know, argued, <laughs> right. argued into the ground. I, I didn't feel confident enough in my ability to make a, a concise argument, right. I guess. I didn't, I didn't feel like I could make a really strong case. And so I didn't even want to ask the question for fear that I was going to ask the question and just be, mm. you know, just go down in flames. Yeah. And um, 
you know, I think I probably, I mean, what, what ninth grader is, is prepared to take on a, a 35 year old man right. and defend their faith. Um, probably, you know, well, there's, there's some, but not a lot. Not a lot. So. And you're not even talking about the other reality of all your peers and what they would have thought of you. And, so, right. and then, you know, that's probably pre, you know, smartphone. And now in that world, right. you go home and everybody, their phones would light up. Like, can you believe what Aaron asked today? I mean, you have right. all these layers of challenge. <laughs> right. I, I wasn't one of the cool kids anyway. So I already knew like you where, already where I be... fit in the pecking yeah. order, <laughs> you know? All right. Well, one more quick story before we go to Brett. I want to hear you. You had another recent conversation with a mom of a sixth grade daughter who had made a decision to shift, um, into a different school environment. Talk through that story and just, again, kind of tying back to this idea of we want our kids to be free. What were some things you noticed or heard in that conversation? Um, so it was just a kind of social media thing. And uh, the mom was pointing out like kiddos starting in sixth grade, you know, like this was just totally the right decision. We were so worried about it. And they've been public school long-term. So they just were, you know, rolling along on the public school trend. And um, talking about just the diversity that her daughter is able to experience and that her daughter knows what she believes and it's okay to have other people around that don't believe that. And I, I support that wholeheartedly. Um, but I think I want to reach out to parents that are considering classical Christian education and, and wanting to say to them, like, if you're, if one of the things holding you back from classical Christian or Christian classical education is that I feel like my child's, you know, going to lack the diversity or um, not have the experience. Like I would kind of point back to my, my story from ninth grade where I'm not comfortable to ask the question, you know, does Plato sound like Paul or does Paul sound like Plato? Because I'm just not, I wasn't there yet. Right. And so to me, choosing to put our children at faith, doesn't limit them. It gives them the freedom. It gives them the support. It gives them the environment to ask those questions, develop that confidence, still explore the world around them. You know, I mean, we're more connected now, or we can be if we want to be more connected now to the world around us than we ever have been before. So putting your child at a, at a Christian classical school doesn't eliminate that ability. If anything, I think it gives them the confidence they need to truly flourish when they do get into the real world environment. Cause we've all been to high school and we all know high school is not the real world, you know? <laughs> right. So, um, well, the, I the, think that, yeah, now in the real world certainly leeches. And in your point on the, on the friend and the social media plug on diversity, I mean, obviously, I always want to, we should do a whole podcast line because I mean, diversity is just a fact. I mean, different, there are different people and different backgrounds and we should be aware of that. We don't want to be so homogenous that we're ignorant of that. But you and I were talking between the break that the challenge is that often our kids just are not discerning enough. And it takes a very, very strong, strongly developed, well-developed young man or woman to be able to be the one voice in the wilderness saying, I want to go a different direction, which is your point about being a ninth grade. It's just, it's just difficult to be in those fragile years and have that, that, you know, confidence that, um, we want. And so often our kids acquiesce like, you know, to the flow of what everyone else is thinking, even if we want to think they're experiencing diversity. So I guess that's, I just want right. to frame that back. So, well, Brett, let's jump over to you for a second. I want to give you a chance just to jump back on the mic and share a little bit of your, of your, um, 
again, more of your stories and journey as you're, you know, you've taken this education that you experienced and kind of put it to the real world test. So talk a little bit more about some of the variances and differences that you've seen um, in the work world and, and having, or I guess during your West Point years and then graduating into the real world and running a company now. Sure. Well, I think one thing that really stood out to me was at West Point um, and, and later on, as I've kind of gone into the business world, there's a huge emphasis on leadership and what it is that drives leadership and how do we cultivate it and how do we get better leaders. And um, especially at West Point, that was a huge topic in the business world. You know, there's not really a forum to be able to talk about it specifically, but everybody's looking for leaders. You know, that's, that's what they want. And one of the things that was really amazing about faith is that it got to the heart of leadership. I don't remember specifically talking about leadership as I did at West Point and maybe later on. But um, we did talk about the idea that the purpose of our lives is to serve the Lord and to serve other people. And that was, that was a real kind of clarion call uh, in my life. It drove me towards West Point. And then when I got there, come to find out, oh, wait, leadership is all about serving other people. It's all about accepting responsibility. It's not about wielding power. It's about being responsible. And I think that, you know, the classical side of my education built this framework uh, that I was able to, you know, clearly create kind of a logical uh, base for for an education and 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 a life kind of focused on education. But the faith aspect of that was even, you know, was was foundational even to the to the classical side. And it gave me, it kind of drove this idea that really my life is about serving other people. And, um, Brett, can I, I, I think ask, that's, yeah, I just, I mean, just to explore that a bit. I mean, do you, if, if you, if somebody said, well, that's great, but was that because, I mean, I'm sure there are elements of that in other schools, but what, what specifically was it the curriculum? Was it the types of discussion? Was it kind of people you read, the kind of teachers you sat under all of the above? What do you feel like really caused that effect? Yeah, I think that, I think that what it was is there was a combination of things. There was, there was the faith application that we were able to talk deeply about what our faith was really about. Um, and then when it came to logically applying that and looking at historical examples was a huge component of it as well. Seeing that leaders over time are really the people who put themselves last and put others first and having that emphasized over and over throughout historical stories um, just had a huge influence on me. So you literally, this is back to, we read these great books because we kind of get to live vicariously the lives of these people and they choose good decisions and bad decisions. And we get to pressure test that before we step out and make our own decisions in some ways. So Absolutely. Like, yeah. I mean, you're, you're living through their experiences. Yeah. Let's keep rolling with some of the other kind of takeaways for you and how you see your education kind of put, put to the test in the real world of the workplace. And other things, where, where would you uh, where would you point to some uh, things that you were given through that journey that's helping you out now? Yeah, I think I think one thing, especially for guys, um, that probably is not incredibly popular, but is just the idea that at faith we were really given an appreciation for beauty, you know, goodness, truth, and beauty being the, the aspects of the character of God. And understanding as a man that, you know, life is not really doesn't boil down to a man cave and 
you know, a big TV or whatever it is, you know, it, it's, it's ultimately about appreciating the things that really have worth and value and beauty is a huge component of that. Um, that's actually driven me to get involved here in Roanoke with, um, the, the ballet and, um, probably not something you would expect. Yeah, West Point grad it. involved in ballet. What does that mean? Do you have a tutu or what are you doing exactly with the ballet? It's, it's a great question. Yeah. Um, nope, no tutu. Um, but so I, I started getting involved with volunteering and started getting involved kind of on the board because I had been attending a lot of the performances and, and just kind of talking to people got involved that way. But I was attending the performances because I was in search of a way, um, some sort of avenue to, to really make our city a beautiful place and encourage anybody that else that was doing that. And I think the ballet was a, is a good uh, path for that. So uh, just trying to make places that we live in more beautiful uh, and encouraging that in, in others. Uh, that is a fantastic testimony, really, Brett, to the fruit of this education, because I think you know, if you had, if I didn't know your full story and I just heard that this graduate of a classical Christian school is really interested in the ballet, I think some people might go, okay, that's just exactly why I don't want to pursue this because <laughs> I don't want my, I don't want my young man to come out kind of soft and only want to go do the ballet. But it, and there's nothing, you know, that's fine if you want to put a tutu on, I guess. But the point is that you're, you have a love for beauty. And where is our culture going to be if, if leaders only think of things in this hyper utilitarian kind of way, and you're looking at it saying, let's, let's enhance the arts, let's improve things. And your way of enhancing is you're bringing the skills of leadership and your, your, your affection that's been shaped towards beauty. I mean, what a great, great example of how to live free and flourished in my mind. Yeah. Well, and, and let me throw one other thing out there about something, you know, with beauty, um, beauty teaches people, and I think especially guys who tend to be maybe more on the surface, um, it teaches them to dig deep because when you go to a ballet and you're sitting there in the seat for the first time and you're watching this thing happen, you have no idea what's going on. And unless you engage, unless you engage on a a number of different levels, uh, you're never going to bring anything away from it. It doesn't get just explained to you like a show on TV where everything is kind of obvious and you're in this like omniscient position, you have to be discerning. You have to engage with the people on stage and try and understand what it is that's happening. And I remember the first time that I went to the ballet, a buddy of mine leaned over about halfway through and he said, so when do they start talking? (laughs) Um, Which was, you know, we laugh, but at the same time, I mean, it was, it was his first experience. And I think that for a lot of people, what I have seen is they go to the first and second and maybe even third and they're, they're walking away and they're, they're like, I don't even really know what to say, but that is intriguing. That is intriguing that we, we, we could sit there for an hour and really not even know how to engage yet. This is something that, it, that should be interesting to us. Yeah. If it's always just presented to us on a platter, then our minds are never really engaged. Our hearts are never really engaged. We aren't doing anything you know, that isn't just easy. Yeah. Well, and I think that's really kind of the def- definition of what it means to be a civilized person is you have that that depth of understanding and you can apply it across many contexts. So, well, very good. Well, and kind of closing out here, Aaron, Brett, any any final, um, maybe from each of you, just kind of quick uh, word of advice if you've got a, you know, those who are listening, a lot of prospective families or maybe those in classical Christian schools, just kind of a final word of encouragement to, to them. 
Well, I would say I talk to a lot of people that say that they're interested in a Christian classical school, but they've never visited. You need to visit. <laughs> you know, you need to go see yep. the school in action. You need to not just go sit in on a class, but go to a chapel day, go to a lunch period. And then if you do make that decision to put your child there, get involved. Um, there is such a blessing to me that comes from being able to go one or two times a month to do lunch, to be able to go and do the classroom parties, to be able to help out with things like that. Because first of all, you get to see that all the stuff you're dealing with at home, that's all normal because all the other kids are doing it too. Um, but you also just get to see how the school works. Just the other day, I sent a, uh, a thank you note to the head of lower school to let her know how appreciative I was of the discipline that the teachers were applying and how consistently they were applying it. And I was blown away by the consistency with which the staff lovingly but firmly and biblically disciplined those children. And I think seeing as a parent that the school staff is just partnering with you in your efforts, you know, you're not in an argument with a teacher over these things, which I think is so important in the lower school years. Um, you need you need to visit. And if you're there, please get involved, even if it's just once or twice a semester that you can be there, like, please be there, not just for the, for the, the mommy and me, you know, event for the Mother's Day event, the Father's Day event, um, go in and, and get involved in some things, because you will see how your investment is paying back way better yep. dividends than you can get on anything else. So, <laughs> And you'll wish you could go back to school, too. Yeah, that's right. Yes, you will. You'll, <laughs> you'll want your own curriculum. Might even be a, little in, be a little envious of your little one. Yes. Well, that's right. a great word. Brett, any any final thoughts from you? Yeah, I, I would uh, just echo what Aaron said. I think that classical education would be very disappointing if it could fit into a soundbite. And we could just give a real nicely tailored marketing presentation, kind of like, you know, you get for most things and you could walk away and say, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I want. This is something that you do. You do have to engage in. You have to, there have to be some sacrifices that are made. And um, I think the, it would be disappointing otherwise because the value probably just wouldn't mm -hmm. be there. Yeah. So few things that are really valuable are just come easy. So this is one of those things that it's like you, you could talk about for ages and ages, but I know for me and, and my experience, um, I would trade every other educational experience that I have had. Um, if it came down to, to whether I could go to faith or not, faith made all the difference. Oh. And so this just has radically changed my life. That's really encouraging. And I, I think you're, uh, both of you have, um, been able to offer some wonderful perspective that we often don't have when we're maybe early in the game to be able to speak to you, Brad, and see this thing having lived out and put to the real world, world test and Aaron, both singing your brother and now to watch it for your own children. Um, thank you both for your, your perspectives and your encouragement and reminding us that um, even though the world's pretty complicated, we've got, with God's grace, students that I think are, are real world ready and will be free to flourish. So thank you both for your time and We'll check back with you in a few years and see how it's going. So, uh, <laughs> Okay. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks. Hey, thanks again for listening to this episode of Basecamp Live. You know, the vision of this podcast is that it's meant to be a conversation. 
and I do a lot of the talking, but I would love to hear from you because I know that these episodes are inspiring to parents and teachers and really anyone who is interested in investing in the next generation. So I want to invite you right now to email info at basecamplive.com. Let me know where you're listening from. Let me know any thoughts or comments you have. And I do want to say a special welcome to our many international subscribers who are all over the world. If you're not following us on social media, check us out on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and sign up for our newsletter at BasecampLive.com. I'm also traveling and visiting schools all around the country now, consulting, training, and connecting. Let me know where you are. I'd love to visit and bring the Basecamp Roadshow to your school. Blessings to you, and thanks for listening.